And there's different ways you can can do that, but one of those is a registry. Uh, so we talk okay. about Docker Hub. That's a big registry, right? I can go and list containers there that other people can then come and find. Microsoft has their own registries and you can set up registries in places like Azure. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Development Best Practices Podcast brought to you by ILM Professional Services. I'm your podcast host, Jason Erdahl. And on today's episode, I'm pleased to welcome back Matt Milner, Pluralsight author, speaker, and consultant. Matt and I continue our talk around .NET and containers with part two of our three-part series, Avoiding Container Conflict and Using Pipelines. If you haven't listened to our first episode on Container Basics, VMs, and Docker, I would recommend you do so before listening to this one. And be sure to check out the show notes for more valuable info. Now, on to the episode. So what are some common and popular use cases for Docker? Um, I think what I found is that that example that I gave is sometimes, you know, I need to have a server and I want to be able to test locally, but I don't maybe have the resources to spin up a server. Uh, I could do it in Azure. That doesn't help if I'm on my laptop working somewhere. Or I don't have connections to it. So I like to use it for those kind of cases where I want to spin up a server, but I don't necessarily want to install the software directly on my desktop. Um, right. It's also, you know, like I said, kind of the de facto standard for if I am going to develop for containers and I'm going to then you know, check that code in or I'm going to deploy that, I want to be able to make sure I, I actually test locally through the container model. You know, I don't want to just test my web application standalone and then somewhere down the line, package it as a container and hope it works. I want to be able to do all that work locally with the Docker tools and the containers running locally to make sure, yeah, this is all set up. The definition of what that container image should look like works for me. Uh, it's all good. Got it. Um, got I it. think the other big one that's, it's been, uh, it's been coming for a while, but I think it's getting a little more traction is um, not necessarily Docker, but containers um, are a mechanism now for getting consistent development environments. So okay. while we talk about kind of a consistent deployment environment um, with things like GitHub code spaces, you can actually set up and say, here's a container to use for doing your development. And it's got all the tools you need. So I don't have to worry about, hey, developer just signed on. I need to get these five different tools installed for them so they can build our solution and start working on it. You can define a container and you can define things like uh, Visual Studio Code, uh, extensions that you want in there. You can define all the pieces you want in it. And then people can connect and just start working on that container right from within their development tools and have everything they need. Nice, nice environment set up. That's pretty cool. Yep. Very templated. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe think of something else. Um, when I first started to need to do CGI scripts, <clears throat> I went to a place called Matt's Script Archive way back <laughs> when. I assume that wasn't yours, Matt. I'm sure, no. sure that was a different Matt one. <laughs> CGI was never my thing. Oh my God. So we'd get these scripts, Perl scripts typically, and we'd run them and it was really nice and we'd learn from them, right? So if mm -hmm. I need to do a guest book, yes, I did guest books on the Milwaukee Brewers website. I would just, you know, go ahead and grab something from Matt's script archive and, and get it. Um, if I'm trying to do 
if I'm trying to do containers right from the ground up, um, is there a math script archive for, for, uh, containers? Is there a, a templates, um, something that will give me a head start pre-built, uh, container images, maybe, is there anything yep. like that? Yeah, there's a couple different places. Um, Docker hub is one. So that's a, a kind of a service side or a, you know, out in the cloud side of the Docker ecosystem where you have all of these different, uh, container images. Uh, Microsoft used to publish all of theirs in Docker Hub. I think they maybe uh, have gotten so big now they have uh, some of their own repositories where they um, put these images out there. But when it comes to an image, at the end of the day, it's a Docker file. Uh, and it's literally a text file that gives instructions to say, here's how to build the image. And so it's very easy to go look at one of those. Um, that example I gave earlier, the FTP, I can go look at the Docker file they used and see, oh, this depends on this Linux image, this particular distro of, of Linux on it. And I see that they added, you know, these FTP services through some apt-get commands. They mapped some drives. I can set up a volume so that I can, you know, send files to the FTP and actually persist them to my hard drive and see that working. So it's really easy to go out and look at those files that provide the instructions. It's not hundred percent as simple to always understand what they're doing. Right. So right, you do need to right. go through the documentation a little bit, um, to understand, you know, some of the more complicated ones, but it is just a text file that you can look at to see how to execute different commands and gives you pointers to what do I need to go look up in the documentation to figure out what they're doing here. Right, right, right. Speaking of Microsoft and, uh, things they may or may not do, I wonder if they're going to come out with some sort of Docker Copilot, where you can tell it what you need, and it would create create the container for you. Um, I don't know if you read the Copilot. I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, yeah. They're rolling out in Microsoft 365. And yes, I am making this a timely podcast, but you know <laughs> we right. talked about snow earlier, so I think it's uh, <laughs> I think people get the joke that we're talking about this in March. Um, yep. My marketing guys are just tearing their hair out now. Um, so uh, so uh, have you heard anything about Microsoft rolling out Copilot for helping him with container creation? Anything along that lines yet? Have you read I haven't anything? heard anything about Copilot? But I will say that um, you know in Visual Studio Code, there's a Docker extension. And so you're talking about templates. That's a real practical kind of active way to use templates. Because if you have that extension in, you can execute commands to say, hey, I need to build a Docker file. And they have templates for a lot of the common you know, programming stacks or things you do. So I want to do a you know, ASP.NET website or I want to do a, um, you know, an Express Node.js website. And they will kick out a Docker file for you that kind of sets it all up so that Hey, here's how, you know, here's your base image that you're going to build from. Um, here's the steps. We're going to expose the ports. So whether it's a container or virtual machine, you think about, you know, there's networking inside of that thing, but it's being hosted on some server that also has right. networking. And so right. mapping those ports is a really important piece. And so, yeah, both Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code are good about providing some kind of step-by-step -step pointers to get you to that next step of building the Docker file itself. No, I love that. I love that. So and a little bit of IntelliSense, extent? which isn't quite Copilot, we know, but it's, okay. it's a start. 
Okay, it is a start. It is a start. So are there any other Visual Studio integrations? Um, so besides, I mean, this sounds great in terms of creating creating Docker and managing it. Are there any other integrations that you would recommend with Visual Studio or Visual Studio Code? Yeah, Visual Studio has really uh, kind of embraced the Docker slash, you know, uh, container model. So when you go create a new ASP.NET web application, you can check a box and say enable Docker integration. And that puts a Docker file and a Docker ignore, which is kind of done get like a get ignore, you know, avoid these files, puts that right in with the um, app and you're ready to hit F5 and run that web application in a container. So it gets it all set up. It does the port mappings. It maps all of the volumes. So you can change the source code on your hard drive where it is. And that will change in the container when it starts up. So if you've got, you know, HTML files or CSS files or things that are a little more um, you know, don't need to be compiled, those, you, you know, you can change there and, and see them get picked up. So um, it'll even allow you to do uh, multiples. So if you have okay. a web API and a web app, you know, both of them set up with Docker integration, you want to have both projects start and you fire it up, two different, you know, Docker containers running, each listening on port 80 or in 443, for example, so that you can start testing the application running in containers. Um, Got it. And then, Got yeah, it. Visual Studio Code, there's a great Docker extension, uh, like I okay. said, IntelliSense and help with the files and, and things like that. And both then have tool windows so you can see kind of in, it basically talks to Docker and it says, hey, here's all the images that you have on your system. Here's the containers that are actually running. Uh, you can see the volumes. You can see any networking and those things set up. So they both really give you integrated into the tool the ability to see what's going on on your local Docker environment around all the different containers and images that you're dealing with. Got it. Got it. Speaking of all the different containers that you have to deal with, um, is there any problem with multiple containers playing well together? Do they get along? Um, do they push each other down on the playground? Um, do they work cooperatively? <laughs> Tell us about how to make these containers get along. Um, is there any issues to worry I'm, about? I'm seeing a new, new, uh, champion for best talk title. Why is my container a bully? Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I've already signed you up. I'm going to enter that on the website right now. Uh, that's your new proposal. Why is my Perfect. container a bully? Oh, that's um, great. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, it, it really comes down to, uh, you know, if there are problems, it's those clashes and things like, um, like ports, right? So, that example I gave where my Visual Studio will create two different web apps. Um, if you look at the Docker file for both of those, they'll both say, from within my container, I want you to expose port 80. And right. so you might look at that at first and go, well, how's that going to work if they're both listening on port 80? But they're both listening on port 80 inside the container. And then outside, it's one of those fun, you know, five-digit random port numbers in the 20,000s range. And so each site has its own port number on the local machine that maps then into the container where it's listening on port 80. Uh, but it's things like that where, you know, if you were to set those both up to run on 8080, or it's really more about those things clashing outside of the orchestration, or sorry, outside of the containers. Um, and the other is it comes down to resources. So whether it's VMs or apps or whatever, you know, if I spin up a pile of containers, they're all going to be consuming resources on the host, maybe my desktop, and so if I, you know, have really big containers or I set them up in a way that starves all those resources, 
then they can start contending or fighting for those things as well. No, no, that makes a lot of Um, sense. That makes sense. Um, so yes. Um, tell me, um, uh, as I think about DevOps and how containers might help me with DevOps, um, how do they help me with DevOps? Can I integrate containers within my CI/CD pipelines? How does that all work? Yep. Yeah. So if you think about kind of pre-containers, you know, typically we would check in code. And for example, I just just did this with a client that's not using containers. Right. We have a build process set up. So when you check in, it automatically builds. Then we use that build output in our release pipeline, and we take that same build. And we put it in dev, we put it in test, we put it in, in uh, production. To me, the place where containers fit in is right in that first build step where when I build all my code, the output of that is my container. And that then is what I would go and deploy into dev and test and production. So at the you know kind of end of the pipeline is build that container image, publish that, and now go use it within the um, different environments. And there's different ways you can can do that, but one of those is a registry. Uh, so we talked okay. about Docker Hub. That's a big registry, right? I can go and list containers there that other people can then come and find. Microsoft has their own registries, and you can set up registries in places like Azure and probably other cloud providers where you can say, I have this image that I built with my pipeline. I want to put it in the registry or I want to update the image in the registry to this latest one. And then the hosts can actually pull that. So when you tell the host to go run that container image, it says, oh, well, I'm going to go get, I see there's a, a new version. I'm going to go grab that and pull it down and run that particular image. So obviously, as you're thinking through that, you have to be careful that you don't push a new image out that then automatically goes to production before you get it through dev and test. So right, 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 you're right. going to have to move through that process carefully, just like you would with any shared artifact like that. No skipping ahead on the line in the playground. So you got to take your turns on the slide. Absolutely. So have to do things in the correct order. Many thanks to Matt for this second episode in our three-part series. Make sure to check back in a few weeks for the final episode of our .NET and Containers series, Getting Started with Containers and the Future of .NET and Containers. The Development Best Practices podcast is brought to you by ILM Professional Services. Do you have a .NET application that could benefit from containerization? Or maybe you already have containers in place and need to figure out how to optimize them. In either case, ILM can help. Please visit ilmservice.com today to get some help. If you have any feedback on this episode or have a topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at podcast at ilmservice.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.